As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to this week's episode of Why Always Us, a Manchester City podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hello. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Nearly Christmas, isn't it? So nearly Christmas. It's, no it's complaints apart from all the complaints. <laughs> well, I was going to say it's, it's nearly Christmas and there's more football than we can possibly imagine. So uh, plenty to get stuck into, really, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of stuff. And yeah, best to, to focus on the football as as I'm sure will be a theme we return to throughout this episode. Yeah. Um, well, if you sign up to The Athletic right now, you can get another subscription as a gift to give to somebody else for absolutely nothing. So if you're looking for some last minute Christmas shopping, it's the perfect present for any football fans this Christmas. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around as well as ad-free versions of all the podcasts as well you can wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of the athletics unrivaled football coverage for the whole year it's the perfect present for yourself and for someone else just go to theathletic.com forward slash man city pod that's theathletic.com forward slash man city pod and sign up um sam like we say it's a busy period uh what have you been writing about there's there's plenty to talk about with city isn't there uh, yes, there is. Um, God, what have I been writing about? So by Monday, the article from the game on uh, Saturday would have been about John Stones, which I think is probably overdue. Certainly a positive article about Stones anyway. Um, so there's that to look forward to. I've got a couple of other things coming up um, over Christmas week because I'm off now. Um, but yeah, I've, I've left people with a couple of presents. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and there's, I mean, there's still you know stuff from from recently. You know, the the CFG article, which is a, a big a deep dive, for want of a better phrase, into That's everything. Kind of thing, doing, isn't like, it? Yeah. Most of the things that we could find out that the CFG do, like, you know, how they take over clubs, how they transform clubs, you know, how and why they buy players. A bit of a story of the CFG. There's a bit of analysis about whether that multi-club model works. Um, there's a bit of a, a clash in terms of ideologies, really, and in like business styles. Um, you know, there's a lot of investors, maybe American or just like Western investors, who are like, well, you know, if they'd have put this money in the Nasdaq, they'd have made this amount by now, and I don't, don't really get it. But it, but at the same time, I mean, obviously, it's not just about making money, is it? It's about, you know, a sporting structure and you know whatever the business reasons for that. But also, like Abu Dhabi, the owners, they are, you know, the way the kind of business is done over there, their kind of investments are like fifty years plus, not just yeah. like get money over the next, you know three quarters or six quarters or whatever and get out again so yeah that's an interesting little element of it and there's there's all sorts and maybe again during my week off i might um promote a few of my old articles that people maybe didn't want to read earlier in the year with the lockdown and maybe we'll read now that we're, we're in another lockdown but your, your phil yeah. foden one's one of your favorites isn't it just for the ferret story <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the ferret, yeah, the ferret one. I won't. I'm presuming, presuming that people now who listen to this will hopefully listen to everyone. So the ferret story. If you know, you know. If you don't, then go and go and read it and find. Go out. and find out. Yeah, uh, I love this bit of the show as well because even though you know it's coming, it's like that bit on the phone where you have to say, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's B four, um, and then you forget every word beginning with B. You can't remember a single thing you've worked on in your entire time at the Athletic. It's funny. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, suddenly I'm just getting flashbacks to the stuff I was doing in May. Like the, the year is just like an absolute blur. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, David James going up front, the, the telling the story of the ninety-three twenty goal from the QPR players' point of view, and you know what it meant to all of them and their own lives and histories and careers and whatever. Like that. Yeah, that's good stuff. And anything between May and yesterday i can't really remember but <laughs> rest assured there's a lot of stuff on there there is uh, and if you'd like that and you'd like to give the gift of an athletic subscription to someone else this christmas then sign up now by using the code man city pod now sam uh tough game at southampton it was uh it was granted a must win and i kind of felt like it was a must win as well before the game uh they did win so what does that mean um well this it's that's the thing with must win games like what it means is we're not sat here today going, God, they're in trouble this lot. They're not going to get top four. Because if you lose a, miss, a must-win game, then you've got big problems. If you win a must-win game, then it's like, okay, yeah, you're ticking along. And that's effectively where they are. Because like we can't read loads into it. Um, there's definitely stuff you, we can do, and there's definitely you know positives and negatives. But it's, you know, it's just 90 minutes, and I think that's the thing about a must-win game. You know, they did win it, and but it was almost like if they want to win the title this season, if they want to kind of get anywhere, then that was the bare minimum. Um, it's it's a bit like kicking the can down the road. But, I mean, we'll get into the specifics of the game. But that that was it. Like, the, the, the best thing about it is, you know, the City universe isn't imploding this morning thinking, you know, no wins in three and, you know, can't score goals and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, they did the job. And just before Christmas as well, it's a nice little, uh, <laughs> a nice little boost to the, the, the performance in the Premier League anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, th- those points, like... Like the mad thing is, for all the talk that, um, you know, City in recent weeks and other teams dropping points, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, um, win the game in hand and we're only so many points behind. It's like I started to notice yesterday morning, I saw it on, like, got some program on Sky and I saw it on Twitter as well. People were like, if United win their game in hand, they'd go second. And it's like, how has that happened? These points really do add up. Like, it just... It's it's easy to skip over weekends going, oh, that wasn't good. It's only a point. But if you just get those three points, it means so much. And, you know, on the weekend when Liverpool, you know, scored seven and going to be top at Christmas again, even though it's, you know, fewer games than normal. It was it was big just to get those points on the board and, you know, just the positivity of the result. Yeah, this is speaking of, of the table. I know this is I, I know this is possibly the earliest tangent that we've ever gone off on uh, on this show, but we like a good tangent, don't we? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of the, of the table and the way it's shaping up, Liverpool uh, top at Christmas uh, are the team that has has been top most at Christmas and not and not gone on to win the league that year. Uh, City have nicked it from them twice. I think United nicked it from them uh, twice as well. Um, th- this is the first time City haven't been in the top four at Christmas since uh, Mark Hughes was the manager. That's like like that's how just the start. Isn't it? Yeah, and that it just kind of. When I first thought of that, I thought, well, I mean, obviously this Christmas, like you said, there's been fewer games to this point anyway. They've got a game in hand. It's not the table is still taking shape, um, but it, it just kind of demonstrates the sustained period of success that City have had over the last few years, where they've they've been in title races, they've been out of title races in different years, but they've always been a regular in the top four. Yeah, um, it's something that Guardiola says quite a lot, and it's one of those things, like. And a tangent to the tangent on my q and a I sometimes see debates between city fans who say you know we've become entitled we've become everything that you know we we hated united fans for um you know well, I'm just happy with where we are we've had some great years and then some go in no it's all about standards you know we we are a big club now this is this is what we need to be doing we need to be winning games like this and you know for what it's worth, I agree more with that latter point of view, but it's like Guardiola keeps saying or has said over the years. In the Champions League, like every year for like 10 years, which like obviously United haven't been in that, Liverpool haven't been in that, Chelsea haven't been in that. And it, it's like, it, it goes to show how far teams have come because when Guardiola says that, you go, oh yeah, okay. But nobody talks about that, you know, when City win the quadruple. The most important, you know, the most impressive thing about City when they win the quadruple isn't, oh, well, we won. You know, we were in the Champions League for 10 years in a row. It's actual success. Yeah. But it's 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 a bit, It's again, it, it's a little bit like top four being a trophy, you know, for Arsene Wenger, whenever he said that about 10 years ago. It, it's a bit like that. But no, it, it is genuinely impressive. And like even, because there were a lot of bad years, weren't there, generally, up until Pep came. The year after winning the, the trophy would be a bad season. But obviously it wasn't bad enough to fall out of the, the top four. And again, last season when we talked about City still being a very good side but not being good enough, like, at the amount of times I said, look, it's not a full-on crisis. They're not all the way, you know, they're not falling all the way down the table like the last champions did. And obviously that was Chelsea um, under Conte, 
there was Leicester, it was Chelsea under Mourinho. You know, there'd been some big implosions there, but City have never quite had that, even though the seasons have been unsatisfactory in some cases, and like last season's was as well. Um, yeah, it's a strange one. It, it just goes to show how, how good City have been over the years, and it does kind of take me back to those Q&A comments from, you know, fans just, where sometimes I'm like, I don't even need to, like, get involved here unless they're actually asking me something. Like, this is a good conversation between... Between two fans, yeah. I was going to say like-minded, but obviously not like-minded. There's two different viewpoints, but it's always civil. And it's just like, well, let them crack on. It's quite good to see. Yeah, well, the the thing that, that kind of leads me back to this season with that, though, um, again, we talked about the Southampton game, must win. They won it. We didn't, you know, it's keeping things ticking along nicely. Is there a danger of comparing this Guardiola-era City with the Guardiola-era City of two years ago? And you talk about like the, the Centurion season, the, the, the 98 points season. And they are two very different teams now. So what yeah. what what have we learned from from Southampton that that kind of helps us assess where this Guardiola team is at? Mm, well, I think I think that's part. Interestingly, I think that's part of the kind of the conflicting ways that people see football, and you know is how how people are as a person. And what I was just saying about whether the city fans are kind of just just happy to be in this area of success or, or on the other hand, demanding more success. Um, because on the one hand, yeah, I think I'm leaning a bit more towards, it's a very different city side now, obviously without Silva and Fernandinho and Aguero. That's not a call I wrote last week, if you want to read that. <laughs> um, like it's, it's, it's a different city. Um, and I, I think now, you know, we did the podcast after the derby and although the West Brom game was bad, like awful to watch in, in large parts, they were kind of unlucky. And I, I do think now this is the new city. This is what we were asking of Guardiola two months ago, saying sort the defence out, come up with solutions and don't just rely on the transfer market. And those solutions are this, you know. It's we're not, we're not going to concede many goals. Yeah. It's the best defence in the country. Like, and where's that come from? Like nobody, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought they could do that. And like, I didn't think Diaz could sort it out by himself and he hasn't. You know, there's, you know, a lot of the reasons City aren't creating many chances is because, you know, fewer risks are being taken. And, you know, it's, it is more of a team effort to do that. But he has done that. And then the next bit, obviously, is finding that fluidity in front of goals. And, I mean, this is a slightly different debate because then you can say, well, is it Guardiola's fault if they're not scoring goals? And it isn't, to be fair. Um, look, if you, let, if you let them off the handbrake a little bit, let them off the leash a little bit and let them create a bit more, then they're... It might be like last season where they'd create enough chances to win games, even if they were not clinical. But then you M- might let the other team. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you're in the same position as last season anyway. So that's the kind of that's the one side of the argument, and it's it's a different team now. And Guardiola's actually done good things to you know keep the team solid, and you know it's a kind of a work in progress to get the team scoring again, which we definitely will come back to. On the other hand, which is something I've kind of wrestled with myself, is this like I'm just thinking I haven't actually got any evidence or or ways to suggest better, just other than you know my own limited knowledge of football compared to Guardiola's. But my thinking, and I'm sure a lot of thinking of the fans is. You're such good players, got such good attacking players, and you did it before. Why can't you do it again? Like, why does why does it have to be so defensive now? Like, why are you so cautious? And I mean, a lot of people think there's more than me. You know, they were complaining about the double pivot against West Brom. But I've said I'm not I'm not a big fan of the double pivot. But I've, I've definitely realised by now it's necessary. I don't think all of City's problems over this year have been the fault of two deep-line midfielders. But like the other night, it just wasn't two deep-line midfielders. And even when it was, it was because, again, in fairness to Guardiola, after the derby, they were attacking with both fullbacks, which City just haven't done. Like, just in forever. I can't even remember a game when they would have done that properly. Just So both fullbacks were going forward. They had the front three. And De Bruyne was joining the forward line as well during the build-up. Um, so when the, when the double people were there... Gundogan and Rodri next to each other. They had to be to make sure there was them two and the centre-backs back. And I know City, in the glory days, they liked to have five men back. So they only had four. So in a way, more risky a game plan than they ever had before. It just didn't work because the, the chances weren't taken. And the other side of it was, as the game went on, Gundogan was much further forward anyway. Like, it yeah. just wasn't a double pivot. So, so like, there, there are those arguments. And I fully understand the fans because I am partly like this myself. I do think it's, look... 
almost a bit ungrateful sounding in the sense that it's, well, okay, you've sorted the defence out, but can you just bloody out? Can you make it a bit more fun, please? <laughs> and I, again, that's maybe, you know, City being a victim of their own success, Guardiola being a bit more vic- of a victim of, of his success. And especially with Guardiola, it's like, look, you're the one who tells us how beautiful football has to be all the time. Like, you are the one who champions this type of football. And like, he doesn't, he never says there's a bad type of football, but I think that's kind of something he's done over the years. Well, he, like, he definitely he does doesn't it. like counter-attacking football. He definitely doesn't like long ball football. Well, he, he does it in a way like when you when you look at the opposition that that he always praises. He doesn't praise the teams that put ten men behind the ball. He praises the teams that yeah, exactly, ha- yeah. have a go, like, even even though that's yeah, even though that's the way that City tend to undo teams is draw them on and 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 play through them. Yeah, absolutely, that's. I mean, obviously, he would like that type of football to be played against him because it makes his job easier. Um, it's it's interesting as well. All the way through that, you're saying that I had a flashback to uh, when we started doing the podcast back in January, and uh, we sat opposite each other, and you used the phrase "double pivot," and I was thinking, "What on earth does he mean by double pivot?" Oh, right, and, I, yeah. and, I, and I didn't ask you, um, and we just kind of kind of rolled with it and worked it out through what you were saying. Um, and like it's this time of year, isn't it, where uh, the dictionary come up with what is the term or the phrase of the year? Oh, and, yeah, like, the, do, for yeah. City, it's 100% double pivot this year, isn't it? That's the thing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, inverted wingers is up there, but double pivot, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and this is the thing, like we've talked about this before, but like the inverted wingers, that's not a problem in and of itself because that's what Liverpool use. And it's like, that's what, um, wasn't always what Barca used, but, you know, David Villa coming in off, off off the left, you know, Thierry Henry for Arsenal with those, you know, the famous goals he was called. That's, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to have everything else as well. So yeah, it's well, like, City won the league with possibly. it you know, in 2018-19. Yeah, absolutely. That that was always my argument for a long time. I was always like, well, it worked fine. And it, it still is, really. And that, But that's just because, you know, you need everything else to be working with it. It's like in isolation, it's fine. As part of a bigger system, it, like, it, it isn't working. It doesn't work, obviously. Um, but it's like sometimes, say like Sterling's goal against Fulham when he was on the right and he finished it well. And then sometimes he'll be on the left and he won't get the ball out of his feet. And it's like, that's why he should play on the right, but then sometimes he'll be on the right and he'll, he'll have the shot on his left and he can't take it. Like it's just you're going to be in the same situation where sometimes you have to use your weaker foot, whichever side of the pitch you're on. And the whole point of the system is to make it happen less often. But like we say, you know, City haven't had a proper left back for about well, I don't know, eighteen months. I, I can't do the exact maths, but it's certainly been since well, this last season when they won the league when Zinchenko was playing really well. City with a proper left back. I'm genuinely wondering if, yeah, it, if, it's, if, if, if it's Willie Donerkey back in the 70s. Oh, right, you know? okay. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. He just looked stressed all the time. In esta sala, él es el puto jefe, el puto amo. It got really to the point where they were completely untouchable in the league. Ich bin ein Muschener, mir san mir. Someone should tell him that if he mentions some Coronation Street episode, something like that, probably he's going to be more more popular. I will be Mancunian for the rest of my life, so I will be Manchester City fan. And yet there's, there's something that, it just feels like there's something missing a little bit. I'm Ian McIntosh, and this is Beyond the Headline. Over the next two episodes, we'll take a look back on moments from Guardiola's coaching past and see what they might tell us about his coaching future. We'll ponder what another two years of Pep's Man City might look like and wonder whether everyone involved might come to regret it. That's Beyond the Headline, available wherever you get your podcasts or get it ad-free via The Athletic. 
looking at the uh, at the setup for the the Southampton game because um, you mentioned the, uh, the, the Sterling having the chances to finish that goal that Sterling scored was like a flashback to the old City under Guardiola break quickly you know get to the byline cut it back first time effort into the into the corner yeah it's that that was that that was something that we haven't seen for for such a long time under Guardiola and then all of a sudden it, it just kind of fades away again i remember saying in the in the whatsapp group that i'm in with city fans i remember saying like we've scored we're on top we need another one now because that this is you need to capitalize on these moments and and yeah. it felt like city were having those moments for a while and then all of a sudden 20 minutes later southampton are back in the game and i'm thinking where's city's next chance coming from yeah um i mean Again, there were chances, weren't there? And there were great chances. Um, I mean, is now a good time just to well, yeah, just to get um, into the, the main thing from the game because, like well, we say, the positives of the game are another clean sheet. It's one goal conceded, which was a deflection and an own goal, effectively in twelve hours. That's really good. Won the game in the way that they they needed to. Um, but my God. Just have a shot, lads. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, 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 you tweeted uh, during the game, I'm absolutely done with this lot and their sheer determination to walk the ball in. Have a shot, for fuck's sake. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if, and if what, you know what chance was that, do you know something, I'll tweet. Like, yeah. I, I might say it on a podcast, but I'll, I'll be much more careful on Twitter. But for fuck, honestly, like, what are they doing? What, do you remember what chance that was? Yeah, I do. Of course I do. Like, <laughs> I know there was a lot, but um, it was the one where... Well, in this show... I can't remember how it developed, but I remember Sterling getting the ball on the edge of the box. And obviously there was a lot of space to the left. But as soon as Sterling got the ball, this is a bit disrespectful, but it probably goes to show what I've come to expect from City and particularly Sterling in these situations. And if he's listening, I apologise. But as soon as he got the ball, I like did like a dismissive blink watching on TV and like rolled my eyes behind my closed eyes kind of thing. Like if people are listening, just give that a go. See, see if you can imagine what I did. But I was just like... <laughs> Like I just even as soon as he got it, I was just like, "Well, this is going to be a shambles." But to be fair, he did the right thing. He shifted it on into that space on the left. Bernardo Silva, left foot. Here we go, talking about the opportunity earlier on. He's on his left foot, on his strongest side. He can hit it with his left foot. There's no one in front of him. And not only did he like square it across the box, he fucking like wanged it to the back post, <laughs> like as as hard as possible. And like. Yeah, Mara's booted over the bar. But like, what, what could he do with that, really? Like, it was just the maddest. It was a stupid decision. And I'd so terribly executed, which is, I know Bernardo's not had, like, basically great form since 2018-19. But he was good on the day. And he's been, you know, he was good at Porto away. He was good on Saturday. But what, what was that? Like, not even, I mean, just have a shot, mate. Seriously, that's not even <laughs> like, that's not even like, okay, well, there was a defender we needed to try and get around, which is what Sterling and Jesus do all the time. It was just, just have a shot. And then just the, but the execution of it was just terrible. And that, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not, obviously I'm not a City fan. I've got no right to be getting frustrated like anybody else watching. But my God, like. If, it, it was, if it's made you at the room. <laughs> yeah, awful. And to be honest, like I wasn't going to tweet this, and again, I, I don't mind admitting it on a podcast because you can kind of judge the tone. But after that, I was like, you know, I hope Southampton score now because that will serve you right. And I was a bit like that against West Brom the other night. I was just like, it would be hilarious if West Brom score here because just you can't keep doing this. Like even even the fact that City had those two headers in stoppage time against West Brom with over cracks and they didn't even go in. It made people be able to say, oh, well, we had good chances. Nothing happened for half an hour before that. Yeah, you've got to, um, but yeah, there's, there's got to be a point, point where, where something happens. Like there needs you... to be consequences, yeah, because it's like, to be fair, Guardiola's saying quite a lot now, it's not good enough up front. We need to do something better. You know, we, we talked about this, but like, again, it's another game where City have got by and again, we're talking about being job done, a must-win game and they did win, you know, fair play to them and all this, but it's like, the players need to know that this is, I mean, they must know it's costing them, but they, it just would have been perfect. That would have been the the one where Guardiola would have just dragged them in and just got it up on the screen and just been like, what? Just tell me, just lads, talk me through it. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and he probably could have got examples. You no, know, he could have had his analysts working all weekend to get every single example from the past 18 months, but then just kept showing that, that Bernardo one. I mean, the other Bernardo one, obviously, when he got in the box and tried to get onto his right foot and just fell over. It was uh, that that one. Like, that one, I have I have a little bit of sympathy with because yeah, like I say, there was somebody in the way. He was yeah, some, to... somebody way he's trying to create a bit of space, and then it's on his right foot. At least he's. I mean, he's made contact with the ball and he got it on target, but it was never going in. But at least he's managed that, and he's you know just toe bung it or something. Get something more on it than what you did. 
But the the one genuinely the one that made me think we're never we're, we're not we're never going to get a two lead two nil lead again was when De Bruyne went through, and right I, I mean why did he hit it so early? Why like he's 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 so calm and cool in those situations. He had one man in front of him. He had the pace on the on the counter attack to be able to take a touch and and just put it wherever he wanted, and then he passed it back to the goalkeeper. I thought he was going to score that first time, but like, I, I actually tweeted, I'm surprised he missed that, but loads of City fans were like, why? He's been doing that all season. <laughs> um, but I, know I, I thought that would be fine. I was, I just thought that would be perfect to bring in an execution or, as it comes to it, because you know, like, it's only a split second, but these thoughts develop so quickly when you're watching the game, don't they? But I just thought, yeah, he's going to bury this, but no, he didn't. It was very strange. But yeah, just to go back to that kind of, I feel like they need consequences for these missed chances. Like, some, like again, in the Q&A, people were like, these players need to be like hauled off, like to taught a lesson. This like it's a bit, like, it sounds a bit like totalitarian, but like fair enough, really. Like obviously yeah. they did it with Sterling, didn't they, at Burnley? The only problem I've got with that is that like literally every forward City have got is in such bad form that you're not going to bring in anybody else. Like you're going to have to haul them all off it like every twenty minutes. <laughs> it's like it's... yeah, rotate themselves. Maybe yeah. they should vote on that in the next Premier League meeting. <laughs> um, here's here's a thought on it all though. Um. Obviously, these players are now well aware of the problem that is going on. Does that make decision-making in the final third a lot harder? I think it's like when they went through that run of missing penalties. And whoever's taking it is just thinking, God, is it me? What am I going to do with this? And then they'd miss again. And you can kind of get stuck in that negative cycle. I do think it is that. Um, I think some players talked about it a lot and I'm not even sure if this is the case I'm not even sure if it's just one of those football cliches that doesn't exist but I'm sure Jesus is a confidence player very streaky um, but not a bad I mean he scored that good goal against Liverpool which was arguably a fluke I, I don't I, I don't think it was no no I, I think he meant it but I don't know some people listen to this will say it was he scored that goal against Liverpool and you think he's going to kick on here and he hasn't but that goal against Liverpool kind of came from nowhere in terms of him scoring. Obviously, he'd been out of the team. So he's been off form for a while. So Sterling, really. Because, um, I mean, even at half-time, I was thinking yesterday, Sterling scored here, but he's been bad. And then by the end of it, um, not much better. Um, and I think those two are confidence players, and especially when it, when it comes to being in front of goal. And I think they're just stuck in this kind of spiral now of they do keep overthinking it and they don't just hit it. Um it's a it's one of those mad things, and from the outside, you just think, "What well, does have a shot?" But obviously, it's imp- I don't know. It's just harder to 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 fix than that. Um, and I don't know. Maybe it's affecting the others. I was so surprised to see Bernardo do it as well. Uh, just very very odd. Um, I mean, part of it, people people again in the Q and A, people go, "No, is this coached?" And I think it is coached in the sense that they work on having very good chances and you know getting the ball. This you know this is kind of a potato potato situation but this could be walking the ball in but I think it's you know it's obviously what they did with the trademark goal you know getting to the byline and cutting it back they were making sure they could they could score the goals um, you know because if we go back to Guardiola's first season he wasn't happy with with the finishing then and they wanted a way to fix that and they they devised that that way through Silva and Sane and Sterling and Zinchenko and whoever was on the left and it worked great but obviously since you know Silva hasn't played so much the left back were poor last year Sane's you know, gone. Fernandinho wasn't there. Sane is gone. That's kind of dried up a bit. And I don't know whether they're, they are working on, or they're still like, it's like the old programming in a way. Like once they get in the box, they think we need to set someone else up for a tap in. But like if, the basic footballing drills that I even I've heard of, like a lot of the time, you know, some of it's unopposed. You know, there's cones and you just got to get the ball out wide. This is how they worked on the trademark goals. And so they weren't doing it against defenders. They were just working on once the ball's off the left touch line, um, your number your number nine runs to the front post. You know the winger on the other side runs to the back post. Um, the number eight attacks behind them. So you know there's always people doing it. So they know what they're doing. But the the goal there was to get the ball into the goal as quickly as possible. It wasn't to overplay. It wasn't to you know to to dummy a goalkeeper because it wasn't one. So City do work on getting the ball forward and putting it away quickly. But it's just like whenever they get on the pitch, I don't. It's just always one. One pass too many. There was that one where Sterling was on the left and like Cancelo was running like right next to him and Sterling just tried a tiny pass to him and it was like, well, what was he going to do with that? Even if he'd yeah. controlled it, what could he have done with that? Like that pass just didn't need to be made. Like, in fact, he's so close to you. He's obviously the decoy run, run into that space, like which is what you like doing. It was just, such, it, it is really, really weird. I also wonder if, if part of it is 
it, not necessarily the finishing, but actually the passing as well, because yeah, there, yeah, was, th- th- there was a moment certainly in the second half. City were City were kind of on the counter attack in the in the latter stages of the second half, where most of those chances came as Southampton were pushing for an equaliser. Again, looking at. Uh, uh, the way City defended, Southampton didn't really create much in that second half. City were pretty solid. I think, to be fair, of... I think a lot of that was down to Danny Ings going off. If yeah. they had a striker, it would have been a harder game. Yeah, but even so, City got the but ball. Again, in, they in... might not have because the centre-backs might have just gone, no, Danny, not today. Maybe. Yeah, not today. Um, but even so, City had the ball in, in various positions where they had an opportunity to create a counter-attack. And there was one that... It, it, honestly, I, I, it really, really wound me up where uh, the ball, I think De Bruyne flicked it through the midfield, got it into a little bit of space and then poked it into Gundogan. It wasn't, a, it, it was a literally, a, a, I need to get rid of this because I'm under pressure. You have it sort of thing. Um, and Gundogan took three or four touches to get it into the space in front of him. And Sterling kind of, he made a run and had to stop because he'd have run straight offside and then kind of held his run, held his run. And then just as Gundogan's ready to release the ball, he makes the run again. And Gundogan plays it so that it doesn't land into the space that, that Sterling's running into. It lands about half a yard in front of him. So he then has to slow down, take the ball. Defender gets the wrong side of him and City are knocking the ball around the edge of the box again. And, you know, what? when I think back to City in, in 2017-18, that was the sort of, of one way you just where they would just hit it into that space and go... You'll get some. You, you'll have that. You'll get it. You'll, somebody will run onto that. And I think, like you think of the of the goals that that City scored a, away at Leicester in that season. There was one where De Bruyne just hoofed it into into kind of like forty yards worth of space, yeah. and and Sterling got on the end of it. And then by the time that he brought it inside, De Bruyne was ready to smack it in on the from the edge of the box. And I'm, I just get frustrated by it. It, it. Everything seems to be as if it has to be so precise at the moment, and it's just kind of falling apart by. And when it when it falls apart by kind of five six centimeters, it just isn't kind of clicking. Yeah, um, like at half time, I just kind of did a kind of pithy predictions for the second half, and it was Southampton will score from across from the, their right hand side, and City will score from an intricate passing move through the middle, which is what both teams were threatening in the first half. But like I say, without Danny Ink, Southampton didn't really have that threat down the middle, and just City just didn't have that last pass, and like. Gundogan against West Brom, he was man of the match in my opinion. City didn't announce one in the stadium, I don't think. And that's probably because it was just one of those, you just get out of there and pretend it's never happened. But um, even so, there were a lot of passes. What I'm sure people who don't necessarily like Gundogan would have probably looked at the passes he did make that were poor and think, this guy's been shy. But he was getting them up the pitch really well with some really, really good, quick passes. And that was exactly the same against Southampton. There were a few which if he'd got right, like the Liverpool game, actually, City would have been laughing. They would have had, Klopp talked about it. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot on this show. And finally, Jurgen Klopp has caught up with us on this podcast. (laughs) you You know, we've talked about, they've not had chances, but they've had chances to have chances. Klopp said that about Palace. He said at the start of the game, he goes, they didn't have chances, but they had opportunities. And that's, that's the thing that City are, that's something that City are doing a lot, really. Um, They've had those opportunities to create a chance, but it's just that pass. And like Gundogan has been had two of his better performances, or certainly more creative performances, playing to his strengths performances in the, in the last two games. But there have still been some, as all the players have done. This isn't just singling out him, as all the players have done, where they've just not quite clicked. And that's yeah, like those situations you're describing. That's why it's so frustrating because you just know you can see it develop. You just think if you just get that pass there then it's fine. And that's where it's kind of these two arguments about the the new city I was talking about at the start. Because as much as they really are solid defensively, it's like, well, they should still be able to execute those passes. These are still the players who were involved in those title wins. You know, they should still be able to to take the chances. They should still be able to, to make those last passes. And that's why it's like, okay, well, it is much more solid now, but they should still be playing better. And I think it's moments like that where for whatever reason, they just don't capitalise, and it's very frustrating. Yeah, um, let's let's flip it to uh, the rear guard then for City for for the final part of the show, um, because another performance of uh, of well, it's another great performance for for, for both Stones and Diaz, um, but it was a different attack that they faced. This was not a South, Southampton were pressing and pressing quite high, certainly early on, and I remember feeling in the opening kind of 10, 15 minutes or so. This is a test. This is a real test for these two. Yeah. Um, again, yeah. Like if we boil it down to just the, the Stones one, 
you know, after his first few games back in the team, everyone was like, Stones is looking good here, but, you know, maybe not say too much before the derby because, you know, Rashford might tear him a new one or something. But he came through that brilliantly. And yeah, this was another game where people can start to think these two are doing very well. Um, like I said, if Ings had have stayed on, it might have been harder for City. But at the same time, as I also said, the, the, the two centre-backs might have just made, made sure it wasn't, you know, they kind of... They pretty much had everything that came into the box. Um, Southampton's threat kind of diminished a bit. Obviously, they were being pressed quite high as well. You know, Diaz and Stones this season aren't especially progressive passes. Um, I've included the table in my Stones article, which shows the, some of the passing stats. Stones is towards the bottom in terms of you know, the amount of passes forward and um, you know line breaking passes and key passes and things like that, which is surprising even more surprising well it's not surprising to me because I noticed it but Eric Garcia is is top of a lot of those um, passing things in terms of like just being very progressive and being important for City Uh, and which made me then think you know there's obviously much more to being a defender than just passing you know because you know Stones is just looks big and strong and confident doesn't he and obviously that's what Diaz is he's primarily a defender first you know, pass a second, probably an entertainer third. <laughs> I knew, um, knew that line was coming. <laughs> yeah, sorry, you just know that because other people would have said it. Is that right? Yeah, I've. I, yeah. Can I? Can your, I? Your mates have quoted the office enough times that you knew it was happening. Well, I have to. I know this is this is a tangent, but I have to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I I've tried and tried and tried to watch the office, uh, but I can't do it. I just find it too uncomfortable, and I get that's why it's funny. But it just yeah. I find it too uncomfortable. Yeah, fair enough. Um, it's like my mom not watching the Cube because she doesn't like Philip Schofield. I mean, it's not, but let's let's go <laughs> with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought it's, it's a tangent and it's Christmas, but no, um, I can't remember what I was saying about those two. But no, they're good, basically. Yeah, um, uh, but- no, it's the passing. But then, to be fair, Garcia is also top of all the a lot of the defensive stats, like tackles and stuff as well. And I was just like, these stats not really painting the full picture this season, are they? But um, yeah, um, but that, that, that that was a conclusion or true. Like Stones. I, I don't know if they're going to leave this line in, but I was like, "How how many times has Stones look flustered per ninety? Like you can't put you can't put stats on Stones' kind of rebirth in the side. You could say yeah. like he hasn't made any mistakes leading to goals, but I, I, I was but like, the raw data on how show confident it. the fans are when he plays. Yeah. People don't think, "Oh God, what's he going to do?" Like people don't think he's going to overplay it. People don't think, even, like, even when he did that back pass, was it one of the Champions League games? And he went out for a corner. Everyone was blaming Edison. Because like, because it was Edison's fault. Yeah, it was but Edison's there was fault. No, but there was no element of, oh, bloody stones! What the hell is he doing? Oh, people, you know, people are confident in him again, and that's the aura. Like sometimes it's not fair. Like, I, you know, I, I think Eric Garcia is really good. I appreciate he hasn't necessarily played that well this season, but I know what he brings to the team, and I knew why he was in it. But at the end of the day, now Stones is in the team. Like, no, but not, no, I, I wouldn't say Pep wouldn't say that Garcia should play instead because Stones is doing everything you could hope from him. And I just think, you know, looking, going back to these passing stats, there's probably a bit more in the locker as well. You know, once he probably gets, I don't know, the, the full confidence back, if that's such a thing. And, you know, may, I was going to say maybe he'd start pa- playing those passes into midfield again. But then I was thinking maybe that's part of the new, you know, safer city where they don't do that yeah. so much. But then Garcia was asked to do that when he was in the team. Maybe that's why, maybe that's something Guardiola changed. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But this is possibly the difference between the the old city and the new city, and that I, I always, I certainly feel like those passes into, into midfield. I always felt like Fernandinho was much better at receiving them than Rodri is. 
Um, I'm not. I'm. That, that's that's know, that, that's the one area where I'm where I think City have changed, and 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 it's. I always feel like Fernandinho te- Fernandinho took more risks in that position than Rodri does for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. He played he play the ball forward more often, um, more you know, more creative with his passing. I think you know, there's 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 also numbers that you know, Rodri plays the most line breaking passes in the Premier League, but um, very hard to spot. Yeah, oh, they, don't, they don't seem to get it anywhere. I don't know if that's a fair thing to say or just like my own idiot brain trying to bend facts and stats back towards how I see it. But but, but this I was is surprised the, by that. But this is the thing in that that as as you were saying with Stones, the raw data doesn't necessarily reflect how confident a player is or how comfortable a player is in doing things. You can be really uncomfortable at doing something, but but get it right every time if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a funny makeup of a team, isn't it? Yeah. Um, just looking at, uh, at Diaz on the on the other side, you've talked before about about Garcia playing it into the into the middle and uh, and and his his passing ability. Diaz is the one who uh, you were saying is is still needing time to get up to speed and 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 kind of get what what Guardiola wants of him. Um, does he need to if if the defense is playing like this and the attack is scoring the odd goal from time to time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it just gives you so much. Like, it's just it just gives you so much more. Like I think I might have said on the podcast, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Diaz was was taken out. If Stones is playing that well, and it's time, you know, it might be a midweek game. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's going to be the League Cup in the week because I'm sure Guardiola will try and win it, but make some changes. But I was thinking maybe take Diaz out, put Stones in, put Laporte back in, and see if they can give you that defensive solidity as well. Use the ball better, like that. Because you do get more, but I might be overlooking the fact there that Diaz is so important to the defense. And I don't know. It, either he's he's galvanized that defense, and now they could, in theory, you know, if he were to get injured for two weeks, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because they could play Stones, they could play Laporte, um, they could be really solid, and they could be extra special with the pass as well. And City would be better at moving up the pitch. Um, or maybe you know, maybe I'm really underestimating his influence on that team, and he has to stay in, in it. I mean. Obviously, I'm not saying drop him, but on one of these occasions when Guardiola moves the team around to have a look at different options, um, you know, it it would be a good idea to have a look at somebody who's a bit more of a, of an incisive passer. But you're right; like, there's there's def- like there's definitely no reason to drop him for a big game. You know, maybe yeah. try it against Arsenal, but yeah, with even like I don't know the home game. I don't know the home game against Newcastle would prob- probably be a good opportunity. I'm not, I'm sure Guardiola's not going to take that risk. But Newcastle are not going to attack at all, are they? Like whatsoever. So they he could try it then. But it's a bit of a strange one because it sounds very harsh on Diaz. It's almost like saying, "Well, you've done your job now. You've sorted the defense out, but we're going to use somebody who's a better passer." But yeah. which which, it, which does sound harsh. But I do think there's an element of that which we could see because if Stone isn't making mistakes, if Laporte comes back and plays as he does, you know, he he's only played one game in the last seven, I think it is, but that was the Marseille game, and he looked great. The same old Laporte. So if you can, you know, be assured of that defensive solidity, then yeah, if you add a bit of passing, then great. And Diaz, yeah, I, I do think that's an area he needs to improve on because it's so important to City. And you know, if we're talking about City scoring more goals and playing better, then you know, passing out from the back is is definitely part of that. You know, yeah. we've seen that over the years. You're you're in the stadium sometimes at the moment. Is is Diaz the more vocal of the defenders? Because I when I when I when I think of of Stones and Laporte, I don't think of them as particularly vocal leaders. Uh, as you just not noticed? No, 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 no. Because I know what I was thinking there was again with Stones, especially in the the, the games uh, the Etihad that I've been able to go to. You, you can see him, especially once I've been closer to the pitch. Actually, you can see him kind of being vocal and ordering people around. But I was just trying to think: is that the same as you know the Diaz type of leadership, where it's just you know he's he's a big talker in the dressing room, and you know obviously the the company is the the golden example at City. Yeah. Isn't it? I was just trying to think: is that um, do, do you need that? Is that the difference? But maybe it's just the way we see football in this country, but like all the top centre-backs of the Premier League era that you could think of, even right up to Company and, and Van Dyke and going back to, you know, the 90s with Tony Adams and 
or Steve Bruce or whatever, they all had they all had that vocal element as well, didn't they? So I don't know. It's kind of it. It strikes me a bit of the lack of leaders debate, which always got thrown at City while they were winning titles. You know, when they lose <laughs> one of their one one or two games a season, people are oh, they haven't got any leaders. It's like, well, they win all the other games. Like it clearly doesn't matter. Um, like, and it's just like we never thought people like a team could win the title playing this Guardiola football in England. I don't think it matters if anyone's screaming and shouting on the pitch. So, yeah, it's one of those where it's instinctively it's something you would want to have, but just because of the way the City have played football so brilliantly without that, really. Because, you know, Cox Company is obviously the example, but it was rarely in the team for a lot of those, you know, title-winning seasons. It wasn't always there. Um, so I'm just trying to work out how important it actually is. But, yeah, I mean, it does, yeah, it does seem like City have needed it and Diaz has provided it. Yeah, yeah. Um... It's uh, it's Christmas time coming up, Sam. Um, how how do you think the table will, will the table take more shape after Christmas? In that, what do they have? They've got a, a Boxing Day against Newcastle, then the twenty eighth against Everton, and then uh, it's Chelsea, isn't it? After that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about Chelsea in the sense that um, it was after the United game, wasn't it? It yeah. was kind of a, that's the next. You know, we'll see now, and that was, and also in the sense of you know that what will be City's approach, and I'm sure it will be very similar to how it was at United. They won't want to allow any counter attacks whatsoever. Um, so yeah, Chelsea is a very interesting game. Um, yeah, Everton a second, Everton a second. So that'd be that'd be harder than I kind of even gave it credit for like a week ago, ten days ago. Um, yeah, Newcastle. If they don't beat Newcastle, then there there are issues. So like it's. Like I said right at the start, you don't want to read too much into a game. But obviously, after a win, there's there is more of a positive tint, isn't there? But I mean, the way City have been playing, it wouldn't be outrageous if they didn't beat Newcastle because Newcastle defended for their lives and City couldn't score goals. Like that wouldn't be a surprise, would it? Really? And, so then, went, like, and then went to Goodison and won, for instance. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, with a bit of extra space to to thrive in and that kind of thing. Yeah, and then. And yeah, the, the Chelsea game will be very, very interesting. And by that point as well, obviously City have got two games. That Those Newcastle and Everton games are stupidly close together, especially when you consider that the Chelsea game is... Oh, I'm it's like, it's it's like, like 10 Boxing, days Boxing after day it. Yeah. The Boxing Day is a Saturday. Yeah, and then it's and the, the Monday the night. Game Monday, and then City don't play until the Sunday, which is very, very strange. Yeah. Um, it's just looking at uh, at the way the table is shaping up and, and City's rivals for for I'm going to say the title at this stage because I, I don't think City are out of it and I don't think and, and I think they could put a run together that that gets them into it. I think it might need to start soon, but it's certainly possible. Um, uh, it, it's funny how nobody seems to be really taking this season up until up until this stage because like every, all the different points. I mean, at the minute, I'm thinking Liverpool are the ones that that, that City need to chase again. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of weeks ago, it was Spurs doing good things. You know, a, a few weeks before that, you, you know, you're looking at Everton doing doing really good things. I, I just uh, Chelsea as well were were another side that that I was thinking, hang on, if they if they get going, they could do some good things here. And then they've they've lost a couple of games in a row. Mm-hmm. How much about how much of this season is going to come down to survival of the fittest and how fit are City to be able to be that team? Um, I'm not sure about survival of the fittest, but if it was, then. Yeah, City have got the biggest squad and the best players, best collection of players. So they should be fine. They should be right up there. Um, the other thing is, yeah, like if since we last spoke, you know, Chelsea have lost two games. Spurs, um, well, look, we're recording this podcast before Chelsea and Spurs play again. So this weekend. So that's one thing. But the last two games before this podcast, you know, Spurs and Chelsea haven't won either of their two. So yeah, if that's going to be how it carries on, then. Again, there is a lot to be said for City keeping clean sheets and not being beaten. But then it's just, like we said right at the start, add on top of that, taking the chances. Then we can debate whether it's Guardiola's fault or, or whether he needs to go or whether the players need to go or whatever. But sort the, the finishing out. Be a bit more clinical because, Christ, they must be able to. And then they, they will be able to stay in the race if they can do it. But like I say, I I don't want to kind of be swayed by the positivity of a win against Southampton because I'm very aware that the next time we do this podcast might be, I don't know, it, it might only be in like 10 days' time, but it could be, there'd be three games done by then and it, yeah. might, look, it might look awful again. Like We, we just don't know. So what I, like, what I will say is they are much more solid defensively and that can only be a good thing. They just need to add that extra layer on top of it. And if yeah. they do, then they will be up there. And like people are saying it'll be a battle for, for the top four this season. 
I don't know. I don't. I don't see that. I don't think City will win the league this year, but I, I don't think they'll be struggling for the top four. Yeah, and just to to kind of show how Christmas can can have a negative effect on your thoughts as well. Do you remember the Boxing Day they lost at Leicester? Um, and I think oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, th- yeah. I think they lost at Leicester, having just lost to Crystal Palace, and a couple of yeah. weeks before that they'd lost to Chelsea. It was three defeats in four games. Yeah. Uh, I remember being at my uh, partner's mum and dad's for Christmas, and we were coming to my mum and dad's on uh, on Boxing Day to watch the game. And before the game, I was I was in the mindset: if they lose today, that's it, nothing. They're, they're going to do nothing this season, and went on to win the title. So it shows what I know, doesn't it? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, well, again, it just it just goes to show with getting carried away, either in good moments or bad. Like like for the, for, for argument's sake, like Liverpool obviously won seven 0 yesterday. And now everyone's like, oh, Liverpool are definitely going to win the title, and they may do. But like, let's not forget. Like, I think they will. But like, let's not forget that things can. And often do change very quickly in football, and yeah, that that's a great example. And obviously, that was the season when things had kind of just started to get back on track a bit, and they'd lost at Newcastle, which was the no, they drew no, at Newcastle. No, no, they lost at Newcastle. Yeah, 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 it was the yeah, year yeah. after they drew, wasn't it? And that was the proper no leaders kind of time, and a lot of introspection, and you know, City they've bottled it kind of thing. And obviously, Liverpool drew with Leicester the night after, and that was when City went and won the the next fourteen games. So yeah, it's easy to get kind of. Like, understandably so. Really, it's very easy to get kind of sucked into those kind of spirals of negativity or positivity. But well, uh, well, try try not yeah. to let it try not to let it uh, affect you this Christmas, Sam, because uh, that's that's what I'm going to try and do, and it's not going to work. So <laughs> uh, no, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Just shut myself away and have a nice little chilled out week. Because God, what else can we do? <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, um, that's it for this week's Wire Whistles. Uh, you've been listening to Sam Lee. Yeah, let's visit, finish on that positive note. But no, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I, no, it was me who said it. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure I'm not sure if we're going to do another podcast before the end of the year. And I know, I'm not sure that the transition between 2020 and 2021 is going to be quite as clear-cut as years normally are. But uh, thanks to everyone who's, you know, been listening this year. Obviously, this is something we started this calendar year, like January, February time. Um, so thanks to anyone who's still stuck with it. Stuck with it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, have a, have a good Christmas and just holiday period and just, I don't know, if you've got any questions or anything, just send us a DM and God, I know it's a difficult time for a lot of people. So yeah, hang in there. And, yeah. Yeah, we'll get well, I, I, I tell you what, let's uh, let, let's let's have some questions for the next podcast whenever we do it because I'm not sure when it's going to be either. So uh, get your questions into either me or Sam and we'll, uh, we'll do our best to, to, to talk about them on the next show, shall we? Yeah, nice one, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic now and get an extra free subscription. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. Mm-hmm.